really exciting. We have our 52 stories, and, and the person who's sharing today, you should know, he led worship today. And so we're going to have Steve come up and share his testimony this morning. So super excited about that. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I lead worship, and I don't talk a lot. And there's a reason for that. Um, it's, it's way easier for me to sing than to have to speak. But once in a while, you got to hear me and deal with it. So it's today. Um, so my name is Steve Brinkman, and this is my story. So growing up, uh, I was raised in uh, Edgar. Um, was raised rurally. We uh, had a great close family. My aunts, uncles, grandparents, everybody. In fact, my wife and I couldn't be more opposite. When I was a kid growing up, I had every aunt and uncle but one within like a half an hour. And my whole family was close. And Jessica has no family near her. Um, and uh, so it's <coughs> been an interesting dynamic. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, yeah, I was raised in Edgar, close family, went to church every Sunday. Uh, as I grew up, I thought I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be a band teacher more than anything in the world, which today my stomach hurts just thinking about that. Uh, thought I was a good person, did the right things. I was confident. I was confident where I was going and what I wanted to do with my life. But then I left little Edgar uh, and stepped into college for the first time. And for the first time in my life, I felt like the small fish in a huge pond. And I went from knowing everybody in my town, having close family, somebody always nearby, uh, to being in college with nobody. And I didn't even have a car, so I couldn't even go anywhere. And uh, it, was, it was different for me. It was hard. It's the first time I was around a lot of people. It was the first time I didn't know anybody's uh, name and face. And it was a new start. And so the first thing I did by recommendation of my pastor, uh, he said, hey, just, just go find a church. There's churches near campus. Just go find a church. And so I was uh, raised Lutheran, and there was a Lutheran church. And he recommended, hey, go check out this church. And while this church itself doesn't have a lot of significance in my story, a piece of it does. Uh, I was struggling with relationships. I, I was not making a ton of friends in the first month of college. Um, and, uh, you know, my faith uh, at the time, I, honestly, hindsight, I don't think I was saved at the time, but it was struggling to, uh, the couple connections that I did make in the music department where I was studying were not good friends, not good influences at all, but it was somebody. It was somebody, uh, but definitely not healthy. And so all that was happening, and one day I'm up in my dorm, and I had my door open, and I don't remember what I was doing, but of course, raised Lutheran, and I, I studied organ, and I had my Lutheran book of worship open on my desk, and I was doing some study or something in there, and this guy walks by, and I, could, I heard him walk by, and all of a sudden he comes back, he's like, hey, is that a Lutheran book of worship on your desk? And I was like, well, that's interesting, I had no idea anybody knew what that was, he says, I said, yeah, and he's like, oh, he's like, awesome, yeah, my name's James, he introduced himself, and he says, my dad's the pastor at the church that I had been attending. Now, this church was large, so I didn't see James there at all. Uh, but anyway, uh, James, just from then, I was like, hey, you got to meet my friends and, and right down the hallway. Of course, I'm missing out 10 feet away, this awesome group of people. He's like, you got to come meet Mike, and you got to meet Jessica and, and all these people. And so my life changed. Like, it turned around. I had friends. I had Christian friends. Uh, they were inviting me to this college organization called InterVarsity. It was annoying. It was terrible. People were excited about Jesus. They're like doing all these social things. It was way more than I wanted to be a part of, but they drug me there. Um, but at the end of my freshman year, like I would say my college experience was amazing compared to that first month that it took. And so let's fast forward to my sophomore year quick. Things were going well. I was still living near my friends. 
Uh, I asked this girl out, my first time asking a girl out, her name was Jessica, and she said no. And so that was, uh, that was rough. Uh, but throughout the year, the year went pretty well. Uh, but things started to go toward the worse again. And that was going in my junior year. I got our, our college friend group, which was fairly large. I mentioned a few names. Half were kind of Christians, half were not. But we all just got along. Like, it was a great group of people. And our housing situation got split up. And I ended up being with my non-Christian friends. And that year was awful. I wish I could take it right out of my memory. Um, that's when alcohol started. That's when partying started. That's when my grades slipped. That's when I uh, dated a woman that was the absolute worst thing for me that I could have done. Um, poor Jessica lived in my residence hall, actually. But for some reason, I avoided her at all costs. Uh, it was not a good year. Um, <clears throat> however, that was spring of 2008. And <clears throat> things were terrible. My lifestyle was awful, uh, but I had broken up with this girl. Um, I was still hanging out with my, my partying friends, but I was kind of on campus alone because I had to work over Easter. And so for some reason, God just, just something told me I was supposed to go to church Easter Sunday. And so I went to this Lutheran, a different Lutheran church nearby, uh, and God spoke to me at that service. I, I, I don't remember exactly the details, uh, but, but something changed in my heart. I went from desiring dark things to desiring God. And uh, it was slow. It was not like overnight. Uh, but all of a sudden, um, things started looking up. Uh, kind of one decision point by God's grace that I believe is, is his will is um, one of our friends had lost his dad. And he was really struggling with alcohol. And he had dropped out of school, but he was still living in town. And I didn't know I was going to live after junior year. And he said, well, hey, let's get an apartment together. And so we had looked at apartments. We were about to sign a lease on an apartment, which would have been awful. He would have drugged me right back, like right into a lifestyle that I, I did not desire. I can tell you that. And by God's grace, I had applied to be a resident assistant on campus and got a position. I don't know why. I was terrible at it. But I got it. <clears throat> and it was by God's grace. And my friend James that I had met was also an RA. And my friend Mike was a hall manager. And all of a sudden, I was back in this Christian group of friends. And God was good. And so James was inviting me to this uh, weekly evening worship night at a local church. And uh, I got reconnected to some other university Christian friends again. Um, I, uh, things were going good. I got connected to Jessica again. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, long story short, she asks me out. Because I had swore I would never ask her out again, guys. Like, when she said no, like... I, I just, I'm like, you know what, I, I respect you, I'm not going to like, this is, no. And so she all of a sudden asked me out, and we're married now, which is cool. So it's all good. God is good. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I went from within a year and a half of being, my grades slipping, partying all the time, to being a small group leader on campus, had a great group of, of freshman students, sophomore students that I was leading in Bible study with another close friend of mine, and growing in my faith, um, was dating Jessica. Uh, things were, were really going well, and just to kind of fast forward, like, God God has just been with me since. There's ups and downs, um, but uh, last week, Jessica and I, uh, the girl that I met in 2005 who rejected me in 2006, uh, celebrated 12 years of marriage last Sunday, and we got three awesome kids. <clears throat> and uh, while my story may not be super dramatic, um, seeing in my mind and heart where God has led me over the years and, and these like forks in the road 
right? There's, there's, there's a way that leads to, to God, and there was a way that led away from God. And at times, I was tempted to, to steer away. But as I look, God, God set up to, to, to go the right way, and so I, I just give him all the glory. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. What a great story. Thank you for sharing. And it's, it's one of those things where what I love about it is, you know, he said, you know, it might not be super dramatic, but what I love about it is oftentimes we think of, of faith as these big moments. But what I love about his testimony is by just being a friend, you can change someone's life. And that's one of the things that even in Colossians that we're in right now, Paul tells us this. It's like, man, be friends. Because having a friend group, Proverbs tells us, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I think that this gives us so much more power to understand. If you just connect with each other and give each other support, give, give each other good, godly friendships, that is just as big as some of the big mountaintop moments of having that consistent friendship. So, Steve, thank you so much for sharing. I think that that is a powerful testament to just the power each of us have for each other to change the course of each other's life by just simply being good, godly friends to each other. I think we downplay the importance of that way too much. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go right into the message this morning. Lord, I pray that, number one, we just continue to exalt you. And we continue to point to you that, that all of us are here for you. Lord, I pray that everybody who you brought here, they know are here for a reason. They're here to hear from you, Lord. Not even from me. They're here to hear from you something. And so I pray that my words are in line with you, that I speak what, what you would have me speak, and that everybody leaves here changed today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we are in Colossians. We're kind of moving right through. We're getting towards the end. And a quick recap of last week, we talked about bearing with each other, right? Because sometimes it's hard to deal with other Christians, right? Again, don't raise your hands. That's not, we don't want you on the live stream or anything like that. But sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes we're different and it's frustrating. We got to be able to bear with each other, even when we're not doing anything wrong, it sometimes is just hard to work alongside people very different than you. So you got to be able to bear with each other. But then it says, but then you also have to be able to forgive when people do wrong you because people will actually wrong you as well. So not only is our other Christians going to be frustrating just because they're different, they're going to actually wrong you and you're going to have to be able to forgive them. And it says the only way we can get into that mindset is to remember what we've been forgiven of. When we truly live in that state of remembering what we have been forgiven of, that's the only way we're going to be able to respond that way. And so we're going to move on. This is Colossians chapter 3, and these are verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So today we're talking about peace. This is where this word peace 
really enters the conversation. And, and peace is one of those words that I think we define incorrectly. And we do a disservice to our faith and we do a disservice to our walk with God when we don't have the correct definition of peace. Because for a lot of us, we view peace as just calm, of just not a lot of craziness going on. Things being kind of slow and quiet and things like that. And, and oftentimes that is a part of peace, but that's really not the true defi definition of peace when you look at it. When you look at this, this idea of peace as it's used in the Bible, what it really means is it's a place of wholeness. It's a place of being complete. It's a place where, where you're not divided. You're not torn apart. The things that were made to be together are together and united and whole and complete. And the things that are not made to be together are not. And when you, when you start to operate with that definition of peace, it starts to change things. Because you guys have probably known, there have been times in your life where even though things are crazy, even though it's nuts, you still have a sense of peace. Because peace supersedes circumstances. Peace is, is a state that you live in. Peace, peace is inside of you. It's a wholeness that you have. And so what we see is we see another kind of therefore moment here. I told you last week, Paul loves to use these therefore moments because he's kind of like a lawyer where he's like, all right, let's establish this. Let's all agree upon this. And now that we all agreed upon this, now I can move on to this and we can, we can go there. So he says, therefore, since we know this, then this. And we, we don't have a therefore here, but we have a since. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You see, peace is not just an emotion. And if we view peace as an emotion, a feeling that you get, just the, the thing where it's like, oh, I like this, I'm relaxed, I'm calm, we're going to miss a big part of what the Bible actually says about peace. Because it's not an emotion that we feel. It's actually a state, a place in which we act from. This is what Psalm chapter 4 verse 8 says. It says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And I think of how much our actions would change if whatever we're going to do, we would say, In peace I will go and have this difficult conversation, right? In peace, I will go do this difficult thing that I'm a little bit scared of. In peace, I will forgive and all of these things. Because it's so easy to act from a place not peaceful. And peace is really just that state of wholeness. From a place of wholeness, from a place of being complete, I'm going to act. It's much more than an emotion. And so let's take a look at what this specifically talks about in peace. And the first thing we have to look at is it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. Do you know that you're called to peace? I used to work in youth ministry for a while. And, and when, you have, when you have students that are like 17 and 18 that are on fire for God, which is some of my favorite people on the face of the planet, I, it's like I want to like soak their energy up and just steal it. The question that you get a lot is, what am I called to do, right? What's my calling? And, and it's like, am I called to be a pastor? Am I called to be a missionary? Am I called to lead worship? Am I called to this? And it's really easy to get stuck on this idea of, I got to find my calling. And, and there's definitely 
something to be said for that. We should be listening to God to say, do I have a call on my life that's, that's a vocational full-time call? But oftentimes, when we are stuck in this, what's my calling, we totally miss that the Bible actually gives us several things that it flat out says, here's your calling. You can start here. I'll lay it right out for you. And we are called to peace. That's a holy calling that if you're a Christian, God has put on your life. Just like uh, I might be called to be a pastor, and that's a, a calling that God put on my life. For each of us, peace is a holy calling that God has put on your life. And you have to view it that way. Because if you view peace as, it's nice, you know, I sure like it when I'm peaceful, versus this is a holy calling that the Savior of the world has given me in my life to be whole and complete. It's not just something nice. It's a calling on my life. You start to view it very differently. This is what John chapter 16, verse 33 says. I have told you these things, this is Jesus talking, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now this is a really important verse because oftentimes Jesus, when he was speaking, he would speak in, in parables, in confusing stories that you'd have to kind of figure out. And the reason he was doing that is because at the time the Pharisees were looking for reasons to kill him. And he knew it wasn't his time yet. And so what he said was, I, I speak in, in parables, I speak in stories because those who are willing to let the Spirit make sense of this, they're going to understand what I'm saying. And those who are just listening to try to trap me, what I'm saying is going to go right over their heads. And so a lot of times, even Jesus' disciples would be like, I don't understand what you're saying. What you're saying is really hard to understand. And so for Jesus to come out and say, I'm going to break it down for you. This is why I'm telling you this. This is what you should be getting out of what I'm telling you. And it's flat out because I want you to have peace. That's why I came. That's what I'm telling you all these things for, is for you to be whole, for you to be complete. And that's one of the, the hardest things to watch. And you guys have probably seen it, is, is, is people who are walking around and you can tell they're missing something. They're searching for significance. They're searching for something to make them feel better, something to mean something in their life. And they're grasping at straws and you can just see they don't have that wholeness. They don't have that completeness. They're missing major parts of them. And Jesus is like, this is why I came. I want you to be whole. This is a calling that I have for all of my disciples. But did you catch that peace is not the absence of trouble? Because he says, I came so that you may have peace. And then he says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So obviously, Peace is not the absence of trouble, which is what a lot of us think of it as. Is Once things calm down, right? I'm as guilty of that as, as anybody. You can ask Les. I am notorious for once things calm down, then whatever. You guys ever catch yourself saying it? You know, once I get through this season, it's, everything's going to calm down, and then I'll have peace. But... Those of you who have said that know you're always chasing that. Things never really calm down, do they? There's always something else that comes up. You're always waiting for the situation to be just right to have peace. And Jesus is like, no, you don't need to wait for the right situation. 
You can just decide to receive the peace that I'm giving you, even when things are crazy, even when there is trouble, because peace is wholeness in the midst of trouble. That's what it is. And so even when things are crazy and chaotic, you can be whole and you can be complete because of what Jesus did. Therefore, you can have peace in any situation. You see, all callings are filled with difficulties. Go ask anybody who's had a calling to, to missions, to anything, and go ask them, were there any difficulties in your calling? And you're going to see that any calling, that's kind of part of the deal. And if peace is a calling, then you've got to expect that there's going to be trouble along the way with walking it out. So let's say you have peace. Let's say you are in that place of wholeness and completeness through what Jesus did for you on the cross. Now what? What do you do? And this is what is so great about Paul's teaching is he says, let that peace rule you. You got to let that peace actually rule your life. And that word rule means to umpire, to make the call. The person who gets to decide, striker ball, right? That's, baseball is kind of that sport where it's like, you know, if you watch football, it's like a first down is a first down. Like, that's just what it is. A touchdown is a touchdown. And maybe there's some, you know, ah, I got to make the call. But in baseball, depending on the umpire, the strike zone is different. Like, they have that much power to be like, today, this is the strike zone. And I get to decide that. That's the kind of power that, that making the call, determining what is going on. He's saying, not only are you called to have peace, you got to give peace control. you got to let peace make the decisions. Back to Psalms where it says, in peace I will lie down. When I go to do something, it's going to be from a place of peace. I'm going to let that peace make the call. It's so easy to make decisions from other places, right? Like insecurity, that's a good one, right? We're scared. We're scared of what people are going to think of us. We're scared of, of how we're going to present ourselves. Am I going to be viewed as weak or stupid? So I'm going to make this decision just to make sure no one, no one thinks I'm this, right? Is that, is that letting peace rule? Are you making decisions from a place of wholeness? No. It's easy to fear. Just, okay, I don't want something bad to happen, so I'm going to make decisions just to, to make sure nothing bad happens. That's not being ruled by peace. There's all sorts of things. Ego and pride, that's a big one. Nobody here, obviously. We're all over that, right? But I'm going to make a decision because I think I'm right, and I'm going to make sure everyone else thinks I'm right. So that's what's going to make the call in this situation is my ego and my pride. And you can see as Paul is talking, he's like, if you guys are going to be one body, if you are going to stick together, the decisions have to be made from peace. Because if you are making decisions from any of these other places, if your ego or your fear or your insecurities are getting to make the call, you guys are going to be divided. And, and most of us have seen that, unfortunately, in the body of Christ. How easy it is to be divided if we're making decisions from that place. We have to make decisions from a place of wholeness. This is Philippians chapter 4, and these are verses 6 and 7. This is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you guys know that peace makes good decisions? That's kind of the thing. That's, that's why Paul is saying, let peace rule. Because when you put peace in a place where that's where your decisions are coming from, you make good decisions. Think about it. When, when did you make a decision from a place of wholeness? From a place of, I'm not trying to prove anything. I am whole. I'm complete. I'm just, I'm just operating the best I can where you really regretted a decision you made. Probably not very often because peace makes good decisions. It's very rare that if you operate from a place of wholeness, like Jesus paid everything. Jesus has made me whole. I'm complete. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to earn anything. Therefore, I will do this. It's very rarely are you going to regret that decision that you are making because what it says is peace actually guards your heart and your mind. So you're going to make better decisions when your mind is guarded. Let's put it this way. Have you ever said something and immediately as the words came out of your mouth, you were like, oh no, that was not good. I've had it where it's like, I, I, if I could physically grab them, I could have. I caught it that fast. But they were out of my mouth. And in those situations, what I know is that my mind was not guarded. My mind was unchecked. I was not operating from a place of peace. Because peace keeps your brain, your thoughts in check. It keeps your heart in check. You're not going to just speak out a hurt. Right? Because oftentimes... When you say that thing and you're immediately like, no, it's a place of hurt. It's a place of, of insecurity or fear. It's a place that peace could have kept that in check. Peace could have kept that from getting control. And so we make decisions from a place of peace. Not only are we called to peace, peace gets to make the call. Peace gets to make the decisions. When we go to do something, we do it from peace, not from these other things. And, and it's really interesting, though. If you go back to Philippians, there's, there's a phrase in there. It says, with thanksgiving. And you might be saying, okay, you skipped over how to get peace, right? You're like, okay, let's assume you have peace. And maybe today you're like, don't assume that I have peace, right? Because I don't. And that's most of us don't. The average, even Christian, if you were to, to say, look, I, anonymously, no one's going to know. Do you have peace? I think we would be shocked at how few of us actually have peace. Even though it's a calling that we have been called to. I think if it was anonymous and there would have been no shame and people just honestly answered, do you have peace or not? We would be very surprised at how low the numbers are of Christians who are apt actually operating from a place of peace. But this is what I love about Paul's teaching is he gives us some really good basic steps to get started. And I'm going to read to you just a few phrases, and this all comes from just those couple verses out of Colossians. And be thankful with gratitude in your hearts, giving thanks to God, do you see a pattern in, in that chunk of Scripture? And even in Philippians where it says, and the peace of God will guard your heart, it says, with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. I'm convinced, I am, that one of the most life-changing aspects of the Christian life, and unfortunately one of the least used 
aspects of the Christian life. The most left on the table is gratitude. The Bible talks so much about being thankful. Just go ahead and do a search. If you have a Bible app on your phone, type in the word thankful, thanksgiving, gratitude, and just look at everything the Bible has to say about that. I saw this happen in my own life. I went through a season probably two or three years ago where I was just struggling. I had no peace. I was restless. I was, I was just not at a place. I was, like I said, if someone were to give me a test and say, do you have peace? I would have said, no, I don't. And I started reading the Bible and just going, okay, what do I do? I know I'm called to have peace, but I'm not there. I, I'm, I'm just restless. I'm angsty. That's the word, right? You guys know, you know what I mean? You're just angsty. You're just rebellious. You're just fighting. You're divisive. And I started to read, and I started to see all of these patterns of gratitude and being thankful. And so I decided what I'm going to do is in every situation, I'm going to look for the good. We sang about the goodness of God, and I, I was committed. In every situation, even if I'm grumpy, even if I'm upset, I will find a way that God is showing me his goodness in this situation. The hardest thing was with dishes. I hate dishes. Anyone else hate dishes? I, I hate dishes. And we lived in a, in a house without a dishwasher. And Leslie, Les is an amazing cook. And so how it usually works is if you're going to make me a great meal, I'll make dishes because I love eating her food. But then I was left with dishes. It's funny how that works. When you make a promise, you got to actually do it. And I remember I would, I would just be grumpy. It'd be the end of the night. I'd be like, I'm tired. And I forced myself to do this. And I was like, all right, man, the fact that we have dishes means that we have food, right? And, and that's pretty awesome. I just got to eat this amazing meal that there were times in my life that I didn't, I didn't get to eat this kind of food. I was living on frozen burritos. And, and this is pretty awesome that I just got to eat this. And then I would think, you know what? Sometimes being, being a pastor is tough because so much of your work is like you hope it's making a difference, right? Like you hope that you're doing something. You hope you're doing a good job. It's hard to have a definite, I'm hitting my numbers this week, right? You're kind of in this murky area a lot. And I thought, you know what? This is actually kind of nice to have a job with that instant gratification, right? I, I have a dirty dish. I put some energy into it, and it's done, and I can feel good about that. And I just started leaning into these, these really, you might say, stupid, simple things. But I will tell you, my life changed. I had peace almost immediately by just choosing to look for God's goodness. Because, again, what I will promise you is no matter what's going on, God is good in that situation. That's what I can promise you. And it's up to us to look, to look for it. You know, it's like, God, you can, you can be good. You can do everything that it takes to be good. And I'm so lazy, I won't even go through the work to look for it. I won't even try to see it. I'll just focus on what I don't like. And I started to get convicted. And as I started to look, I was shocked at how easy it was to see the goodness of God when I just chose to look for it, to just take a second and let my heart be open to see the goodness of God. 
And I know it's easy. I even hesitate to talk about it because when I talk about gratitude, it's really easy for it to sound like some new agey thing, like I'm going to have crystals and stuff. And it's like, this is a biblical concept. It is so core to the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's another one that we get stuck on is, God, what's your will? What's your will for my life, right? We can get stuck on what's your call for my life, but, but God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And the Bible kind of flat out says, I can answer it for you. In whatever circumstance you're in, God's will is for you to be grateful. That's what he wants. That's his desire for us. So not only is, is peace a holy calling that we have, gratitude is the will of God for us in every circumstance. So no matter what circumstance you're in, if you're on a mountaintop or if you're in a valley and you go, God, what do you want? He wants you to be grateful. That's what the Bible tells us. And not just because he likes it, but because he knows gratitude leads to peace. And when you have peace, you operate from a totally different place. Your decisions start to change. Your attitude starts to change. And the world starts to change when you are operating from a place of peace. But it starts with gratitude. There's a reason where in that chunk of scripture where he says you're called to peace, he's like, be thankful with gratitude. Come with thanksgiving. God wants you to be grateful in every every situation. And so today, I want to just, let me wrap this up for you. You were called to peace. And you don't have to wait for the right circumstance. That's the good news. If you've been like, well, once this happens, right? Once this slows down, once this shifts, once I, I, once I have this much money in savings and once, once I get this paid off or whatever it is, then I'll have peace. I give you the freedom that you don't have to wait for that. In every circumstance, you are allowed and called to have peace. Is that not good news? That you're allowed, you're free to have peace today, right now. And if you're like, I don't know how to have peace, Start with gratitude. Just look for God's goodness in whatever situation you're in. I promise you, you will find it. You will find some way that God is good to you right now. And just start to focus on that, and you're going to feel that shift. And when you find that peace, let it rule. Let that peace make the call. Let your decisions to be, be made from that place of wholeness instead of the place where we used to make all those decisions out of fear and anxiety and ego and pride and all those things. And this is when you're going to see your life completely change, is when you not only have peace, but peace is ruling your life, getting to call the shots, getting to determine what's going on. That's when things start to shift. And so I want to pray. And today I'm just going to ask you guys to stand because we'll kind of do a whole closing together today. Lord, I thank you that of all the things you could have called us to, you've called us to peace. God, I thank you that because of what, what you did on the cross, we are able to be whole and we are able to be complete and we are able to operate from that place of peace. And so, Lord, this week, as we leave this place, I pray that we are grateful, that we are thankful, that we look for your goodness 
in our life. We look for all the ways that you're good, Lord God, and that 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 leads us to a place of peace. And then, Lord, I pray that you help us to have that peace be ruling, that peace be making decisions, Lord God, because that's when lives will change. I thank you. I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that you are strengthening us. You're giving us the power to do this, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen.